Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Baruch Hashem, starting a new parak, a new Masechta, uh, a new Seder. We're starting with the very beginning of Masechas Yevamos Daf Beis. Um, for those of you who didn't get one, uh, we're going to have a sheet uh, handed out here. Oh, why didn't someone do that? Sorry. Could you, could you to, you and my father, if you don't mind? I do not know. Thank you very much. Um, so what we're going to be doing uh, over here is reading some psukim from Chumash. And these psukim from Chumash uh, will give us a, a brief background into the mitzvah of Yibum and Or Chalitza. This will be the starting point. And um, it almost gave me comfort in a way that after having seen the psukim, I'm like, okay, fine. I understand that there's a basic din of Yibum. And like every Masechta, it's the job of Mishnayis to understand the Psukim, and it's the job of Gemaras to understand the Mishnais. So let's start with Sefer Dvarim, Perek Kafei, Psukim Hei through Yud. Five Psukim and Chumash, and in turn, 120 blot for a Masechtam. So let's get started. Amir Pittens. The Pasuk says in Chumash, Ki Yeshu Achim when brothers are together, Umeis Achad Mehem, and one of the brothers dies, Uvein Einlo, he doesn't have a son, Lo Sihia Eishas Hames Ishzar, the woman who was married to the man who died should not be sent out to a strange man, Yevama Yavo Aleha, Yevama with a Mapike, her Yavam, meaning the other brother who's still alive should take her, Ulekacha Lo Leisha Vyibma, and he should marry her and take her to, to be his wife, Vyibma, the verb of Yibum, to marry her in that way, through Yibum. The oldest child that will be born to this new marriage, the marriage of the Yavam and the Yavama, will be named after the person who died. His name will not be um, erased from the, from the people of Israel. If the man doesn't want to take the Yavama, so the brother who's alive doesn't want to marry his brother who died, doesn't want to marry his wife, but also Yavimto Hashara, El Hazakanim, she'd go to the gates to the elders, namely she'd go to Bezdin, the Amra, and she'd say, my Yavam is refusing to establish a name for his brother, and I can't make him want to marry me, doesn't want to marry me. So then the elders of the city call him to Bezdin and they say to him, the Omad the Omar, he stands and he says, I don't want to marry her. So then what happens? So then the Yavimto the Yavama shows up uh, to the eyes of the uh, uh, to the eyes of the elders in Bezdin, the Chalza Naalo, and she removes his shoe, Me'al Raglo, from his foot, the Yarka Befanav, and she spits in front of him, the Ansa Amra, and uh, seemingly she uh, responds and she says, this is how they treat a man. This is what they do to a man who doesn't want to build a house in his brother's memory. And this person then earns for himself a nickname, which is Beis Chalutzanal. That's the nickname. He's the one whose shoe was taken off, a clear sign that he didn't want to take in his Yavama. So we're going to keep this piece of paper. There is a little chart on the bottom, which I'll hold up for those of you on Zoom when the time comes. Um, and that is background number one. Uh, background number two is um, Hashem should bless me to be as clear as possible. Today is not hard, uh, but we have to understand some of the basic yesodos that do come up in the Masechta. I will make every effort to be clear. If something's not clear, please feel free to call me out and I will do my best to clarify. Let's get started. The Mishnah writes on the top of Daf Bezim Aleph, Chamesh Esrei, 
Nashim Potros Tsarosehin Vitsaros Tsarosemina Khalitza Minayibum Ad Sofa Olam. There are 15 women who cause an exemption for the second wife. We'll discuss this in a moment. And for all the subsequent wives from Chalitza and from Yibum, namely this Parshan Chumash that we just learned doesn't apply to a particular case, Umin Hayibum Ad Sofa Olam, forever. So what are we talking about over here? So take a look at the chart. So as you can see here, the chart here, I wrote a little small for you guys. The chart here says as follows. There's a mom and a dad. And the mom and the dad have two children. They have Ruvain and Shimon. Shimon marries a woman named Tamar, and they have a child named Chana. Now, Shimon's brother, Ruvain, married Chana as wife number one and married Penina as wife number two. When a person is married to more than one wife, the other wife is referred to as a tsara. That's how the Torah referred, that's how Tanakh refers to Chana and Penina. That's why these names have been chosen accordingly. So Chana and Penina are both married to the same man, Ruvain. Ruvain is married to his niece, Shimon's daughter. Now, if Ruvain dies, what happens with the mitzvah of Yibum? If Ruvain dies, in theory, Shimon is supposed to marry uh, Ruvain's wife. But there's a problem, which is that it's his daughter. So normally, when it comes to the mitzvah of Yibum, we're as it is overriding a standard rule, which is that you cannot be intimate with your sister-in-law. However, the Torah does require for Yibum to take place, but it doesn't allow for it to take place when there's a secondary erva going on. And that is, in this case, that Chana is Shimon's daughter. So therefore, if you look under, uh, under the name Chana, it says that there's no Yibum since Chana is Shimon's daughter. We'll see that if it could be Shimon's daughter, it could be Shimon's mother, it could be Shimon's whatever. There's 15 of them in the Mishnah, but that's what, where the fit number 15 comes from. We'll get back to this in a second. Chana could be a daughter or one of any other 14 roles. So rule number one is that Yibum doesn't apply when the person that Shimon is supposed to marry is a direct relative of Shimon. Another rule is that if you look to the right side of the page, is that Penina also can't, is not subject to the rules of Yibum. Why is she exempt? Because she is the Tzara, she is the other wife of Chana. And since Chana is exempt from Yibum, by definition, Penina is exempt from Yibum. So therefore, Penina cannot get married to Shimon, even though she's not related to him at all. So that's a brief summary of a couple of nakudas, a couple of points about Yibum, is that yes, absolutely, the brother is supposed to marry his brother's sister. So Shimon is supposed to marry Ruvain's Ruvain's widow. That's what he's supposed to do, but it's his daughter. And it's not just daughter. That's what the Mishnah says. There's 15 types of women that if they were Shimon's immediate relatives, he wouldn't be able to marry them. Here are the people that had they been related to Shimon in one of the following 15 ways, Yibum would not apply, even though it's his brother's wife. Number one, Bito, his daughter. That was the case we just described. Ubas Bito, Ubas Beno, granddaughters, either Shimon's uh, daughter's daughter or Shimon's son's daughter, both of those cases, if Shimon, uh, if Shimon's brother Ruvain was married to Shimon's granddaughter and then Ruvain died, Shimon cannot marry his granddaughter, of course not. Bas Ishto, what about if it's Shimon's wife's daughter, right? So Shimon's married to Tamar, that was the example here. So the halacha is that even there, that's not allowed. Ubas not even the granddaughter of one's wife, they're not his kids, they're kids that came in through marriage. Ubas Bita, and the granddaughter through the wife's side as well. Chamoso, uh, his mother-in-law, the aim Chamoso, his wife's, uh, his, his, mother's, his mother-in-law's mother, the aim Chama, the mother of his father-in-law. Achoso Meimo, his sister from his mother's side. 
and Veachos Imo, and the sister of his mother, Veachos Ishto, and the sister of his wife, his sister-in-law. All of these women, had they been married to Ruvain, Shimon has no requirement for Yibum because they're all Ervate. They're all related to him. The list goes on for a little bit more. The Eishes, this is a little subtle, the Eishes, the wife of his brother through his mother's side, meaning it's, it's actually his his uh, his step his half brother's uh, his half brother's wife as well, even though it's pretty indirect. Still, the, the Mishnah says that if this person is the one who was married to Ruvain, then Yibum doesn't apply if Ruvain were to then die. We finished our first Amud. We finished our first Amud. We're on Beis and Beis. The Eishes Achiv and as well the wife of the brother that's not yet born. So let's say that Ruvain is married to uh, to Chana and Ruvain dies, and then Levi is born, grows up, and gets married. So how does that work? So then even if that was the woman who we were talking about, it doesn't matter. You're not allowed to do Yibum there. And the last one is Bekala. So his daughter-in-law, Hare Elu. All 15 of these cases, and if we look back at this sheet, for those of you who didn't get, we still have a couple. I'll just do that. Here you go. For those of you who are, are, have the sheet with you, what you're going to be looking at is like this. There you go. We're looking at, uh, again, these 15 people are the Chana. We said in our case that if Shimon's daughter was Chana, that there's no din of Yibum because even if Ruvain dies, Shimon can't marry his own daughter. So just plug in where it says Chana, that it seems it's his daughter, plug in all 15 names here. There is this spoke of different type of relationships that Shimon could have. And if it's his daughter, if it's his granddaughter, if it's his grandmother, his mother, his mother's sister, and all the 15 that are listed, that's what we're talking about in our Mishnah. Those are the 15 types of Arayos that had it been that the one of those 15 types of Arayos, they're only Arayos to Shimon. They're not Arayos to Ruvain. It's unrelated to, to Ruvain. Ruvain was allowed to marry this person in the Chadchila. So that's what's going on in the Mishnah. Section one of the Mishnah is now complete. And uh, their Peturos Tzaros Sehen, not only are they, uh, are they exempt, not only is Penina exempt, even though Penina is not related to Shimon, but also the Tzaros Sehen, even future derivatives of wives that will be married, as we will soon see in the Mishnah. This is not yet clear. They will be exempt. We'll get back to this in a little bit. Why is Penina exempt? That is a huge machlokas in the Rishonim as to what the mechanics are that say that just because she's the second wife to Chana, so therefore she's exempt. So the Rishonim, uh, you could write full svarim on that. That is a very, uh, very sophisticated, it's a perfect question. I I should have referenced it before you asked it. I'm glad you asked it. It's a spot on question. There's a lot, a big tumult in the Rishonim. Is it that there is some kind of connect? There's like a whole bunch of theories that uh, the Rishonim discuss. So that's a big, a big discussion. Good. Line three, Bezim and Bez. The Chulan, in all cases, if the woman who would have been uh, this woman, the, the wife of, uh, let's say, Ruvain in our case, if she had passed away before the husband did, or if there was miun, miun is when there is a marriage that is only a marriage derabanan, which applies when a girl is under the age of 12. So then they, she doesn't need to get if she wants to get a divorce. She just says goodbye and walks away. There's no halachic mechanism. That's called miun. So if Chana dies, or if uh, there's miun, onis garshu, or they halachically get divorced beforehand, oshenimtu ailonius, or we find out that she is infertile, she can't have children, a hysterectomy, whatever the details are, then Penina 
is subject to Yibum, then Sarosein Mutaros, then we do have the Psukim and Chumash to fall back on. So that's different than the case that we drew over here. The case on the chart is where Ruvain died before anybody else did. But if Chana, Chana is the bond between Ruvain and Shimon. So Ruvain married Chana and Shimon is Chana's daughter. But if Chana dies, then Penina, who's completely unrelated, then the classical rules of Yibum apply as though Chana never existed. And then Shimon would be obligated to marry Ruvain's wife, his widow, who is, in this case, Penina. So therefore, if this woman had one of these many things happen, divorce, death, miyun, whatever it is, then the halachos of Yibum kick in as it relates to uh, Penina, the second wife, who really is unrelated from, to, uh, from everybody. Next, Ketzad Potros Tsarosehen. How does it work in regards to exempting a, uh, a tsara from the mitzvah of Yibum? So here's the, the case. That's my Vlad. That's uh, got my guy. In this Masechta, you're going to find me skipping lines as repeatedly as possible. So, <laughs> so stay, stay put. Stay put. Going to the crazier case. I did skip the easier case, actually. This, this line's not hard. I'm glad you're here as always. You cannot say as it relates to the mother-in-law or the mother of the mother-in-law, the mother of the father-in-law, what does this line of the Mishnah even mean? Of course they have children. <laughs> it's your in-laws. You have a wife that you're married to. They actually obviously had children. So very interesting line of the Gemara and uh, of the Mishnah. We're not going to focus in on that now. So five, six lines down. How do we have the, the Tsaros, the Paninas of the world, the second wives who really aren't halachically related other than the fact that they're the second wife. So how does that work? So Haisabito, O Achas Mikol so this is what we said, one of the 15 uh, types of erva that Ruvain is married to. And the woman that he's married to happens to be an erva to Shimon, the low Isha Harris, and he has another wife as well, Umais, and then he dies. Kishem Shebito Ptura, Kach This is We've already explained this idea, but the Mishnah is overly articulating this idea. And Halcha, uh, so, and this is where the, the added nuance that we needed from before, but we're going to add it in here now. Then the Tsaras Bito, the Tsaras Bito is the second wife to the daughter. So Chana's Tsara, who is Penina, and she marries another brother. And that other brother has another below uh, Isha Acheres, and that, uh, um, sorry, yes, and that husband has another wife, Umes, and then he dies, Kishem Shetzaras Bitoptura, just like Penina was already exempt from the world of Yibum because she was initially Chana's second wife. Well, now she's not Chana's second wife. She's uh, Malka's second wife to a different man. Doesn't matter. The fact that she was once exempt from Yibum means that any wife that she shares a husband with will always be exempt from Yibum. And even if it keeps getting further and further removed, we don't care. There's no upper limit. Anytime a woman is exempt from Yibum and then she leaves that scenario and enters into a new marriage, if there's another wife in that scenario and the husband dies, there is no Yibum in that case. And to, to your question, Rob, it's not clear from the, from the mission itself as to why that's true, but it is definitely true. How does it work out that if the Tsarosehen died 
uh, sorry, in Mesu, if they die, then Sarosein Mutaros. So then says the Mishnah as follows halfway down on Bez Bez. We're going to wrap up actually halfway down to Gimel and Aleph. It's all one relatively quick sugya once we get to the once we get out of the Mishnah. So then the, the Mishnah answers this case as follows. Same case as before. So Reuven is married to one to a woman, and any woman that could have been his wife was also an erva to her brother, to his brother Shimon, below Isha Acheres, and he has another wife. Mesa Bito Onisgarsha. We've already learned this idea before, but it's being repeated in the Mishnah. If Mesa Bito Onisgarsha, that if uh, the daughter of Shimon, who's uh, whose Ruvain's wife died, or there's a divorce, and then after that, then muteras. Then halacha is that the tzara is allowed to then is not allowed is subject to the halachos of yibum, and then he would have to then uh, either do yibum or chalitza. Um, good. And then the last, are we at the last end of the Mishnah? Yeah, the last end of the Mishnah says as follows: uh, we're not going to deal with this din now because it's about miyun. It's not, we'll get to this at another point. But basically, the short version of this is that if someone who could have done miyun but did not, then as it relates to the tzara, she only can do chalitza, not yibum. We'll learn about this down the road. Let's start the beginning of the Gemara. The Gemara is uh, bothered not by any of the sophisticated family trees that we're talking about here. And honestly, relative to the rest of the Masechta, it's not so sophisticated. But here, what the Gemara is bothered by is the order in which the 15 ervas are listed in our Mishnah. We might have thought it was arbitrary. We'll see by the end of the Gemara today, it was extremely particular as to how each of the 15 were listed. So if you glance back, it started out with Bito, his daughter, and then he went to the granddaughter through his daughter, the granddaughter through his son. And then he moves over to the wife's side of the family, Bas Ishto, his wife's daughter from, the, from an old marriage, and goes through the whole list. This list is very particular, and we're going to go through it. So says the Gemara Michti, let's analyze this Mishnah in regards to the order of the 15 ervas that are listed. We will see soon that the Pasuk rep, not today, but the Pasuk references specifically Achos Isha in regards to Yibum, in regards to a type of erva that ruins Yibum. That's learned out from, from the Pasuk that speaks about Achos Isha. So says the Gemara, if that's true, then listen Achos Isha Beresha. If that's what the Pasuk and Chumash says, talking about Achos Isha, then Okay, let's let's have that be item number one on the list of the fifteen women, where if they happen to be married to Ruvain, that Shimon cannot do even make it the first one, the one that's most obvious, the one that's mafurish in the pasuk. And if you want to say a different argument, no, no, it wasn't because of because of the pasuk. The reason why the order is the way it is is because Tana, the author of our Mishnah, was teaching chumre chumre naka, teaching the most strict, and then going down in severity of consequence, well, maybe then we would say, and then Srefa is one of the worst consequences. We should start with that. Well, if it really is a pecking order of ervas of the worst caliber to the best caliber or to the least bad caliber, we shouldn't have started with Achosisha. Anyways, what should we have started with? It should be that he starts with his mother-in-law. Why? Because the actual iser, uh, the actual onesh of Srefa was first taught by a mother-in-law. And that shows us that it's the most severe of all of the ervas. If that's true, and if our Mishnah's order of the ervas should be listed specifically based on severity of consequence, we should have started with, with Achosa. Why did we start with Bito? 
So you can't even argue that it's because of because of the consequences of severity to the most severe to the most light. The Odin, furthermore, even if you want to say that it's in the order of the most severe, fine. But then basar chamoso listni kalaso. Then after the chamoso, after the mother-in-law, you should have listed the daughter-in-law. The basar srefa is skila, which is chamura. And that would be the consequence of a man being intimate with his daughter-in-law is that it's a consequence of Sreva. So then why is Kalaso the last one? Look at the top of the page on the top line. The Kalaso was the last one. For sure, our Mishnah cannot be speaking about the order of those who are erva in the order of greatest of consequence to the least of consequence, because literally the last one should have been number two. And the one that speaks about Hamoso, his mother-in-law should have been number one, and it wasn't. So the Gemara says, you're right. And it, it gives its first positive answer as to why the order of the Chamesh Esrei ervas in our Mishnah are listed as they are. Really says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom on Beis Mudbeis, Elabito Kevan de Asimidrasha Chavivale. Because Bito, the daughter, when the daughter that Ruvain married was his brother's daughter, so when Ruvain married Chana, and that, that Chana was Shimon's daughter, when that, that we learned out from a drasha. It wasn't explicit, and drushes are beautiful. Okay, so then says the Gemara on the top of the page, It's not like all 15 ervas are listed in, the, in, in Dvarim Kafhei that we just learned. So the Gemara is bothered. Like, if you're going to tell me that it's about how beautiful a drush is, they're all from a drush except for Achosishto. So why would you then put it in the wrong order? You, you put this one first, Bito is first because it's Chaviv. All of them but one are, are, are Chaviv. Then well, still, why Bito? And the Gemara says, Okay, but I could distinguish Bito from the others because the drasha about Bito was very unique. And maybe the modality in which Bito was learned was special. How so? Says the Gemara, you're right. Nahi, you're correct. Granted, Dilinyan Yibum Asyan Midrasha. We do learn out most of the halachos of um, of who the ervas are and who is um, going to ruin Yibum, we learn that out from Adrasha. You're absolutely correct. How, however, Ikar Isuraihu but the primary answer is what we just learned in Chumash, which is Dvarim Kafhe. But Bito, when it comes to his daughter, Ikar Isura Midrasha, there the entire concept of the daughter of Shimon making him ineligible to do Yibum is nowhere to be found in Chumash. It's only from Adrasha. The Iker Iser of Shimon marrying his daughter in Yibum is found only through Drasha. What was the Drasha? To Amar Rava, Amar Li Rav Yitzchak Baradimi, Asya Heina Heina, Asya Zima Zima, a double Drasha from which we learn that Bito, that his daughter, invalidates the ability for him to do Yibum. So therefore, maybe there's something special about that Drasha, and that's why Bito should be first. So says the Gemara, okay. Now that we're going with this uh, suggested answer that maybe there's something unique about this drasha, if you're saying that all of the drushas are so beautiful, then good, list 14 drushas and then list the one thing that's mufurash in Pasuk. What is that? You're wrong. It can't be that that's the svara. If you're saying that all the drushas are coming first, why isn't Achos Ishto last? Why is Kala last? That's a drusha. So it can't be. It can't. So it says, well, maybe we can. Maybe, yeah, really the drushas are the key. But once we were talking about sisters, so you're right that Achos Ishto is in Pasuk, but, but still, let's just put all the sisters together in one group. Okay. Well, if that's true, then Velisnia Lahai Baba Levasov. But then just put the other sisters next to the drasha of Achos Isha, which is, is, which is the 15th. Why did you put it earlier? 
If the drushes are the ones that are so chashuv, leave the pasuk at number 15, move all of the sisters in the list toward the end of the list, make them 12, 13, and 14, right next to Achos Ishto. And because of that, the Gemara says, you're right. And we have to pivot yet again. Why is the order of the 15 Arayos in our Mishnah the way that it is? Says the Gemara eight lines down, Elatana kurve kurve nakat. Really what's happening is we have concentric rings of relationships going out in extending order. You have a person in the middle. That person in our case is Shimon. Then there's an immediate ring around him. Tana Bito, Uvas Bito, Uvas Bino. We have his daughter. We have his granddaughter through his daughter and his granddaughter through his son. The Kruve Atmo. That's Mamish family. That's bloodline of that father. Those are his immediate children descending downward, his daughter and granddaughters. And then because we learned the three under him, the daughter and the two granddaughters that are under him, we also looked at, at Shimon's wife, what do we call her? Tamar. We looked at Tamar on our sheet and said, who are her granddaughters? Who's her daughter and granddaughter? We listed them next in the Mishnah. So then we learned her. And then we go back to the to Shimon again and we talk about sisters. We go back to the husband and say, well, we spoke about the three generations underneath Shimon. Then we moved over to speak about the three generations underneath Tamar. Then we go back to Shimon and focus on all the sister relatives. And because at that point we were talking about uh, sisters, we also added in the sister of his wife, Ubedin, who really it should have been the last two numbers 14 and 15. It really should have been that the Kala came before the brother that was never born. It should be that way. It's not because of Kurva that that uh, that he is going to be Aser. Because we were dealing with the Iser of a sibling. Then we taught that the brother who is not yet born, his wife is going to be problematic because we were already talking about siblings. And then the last one is going to be the daughter. This explains beautifully what's going on in the Mishnah. Oh, you thought about consequences can't be consequences you thought that maybe it's about drushes can't be about drushes because that's out of whack the whole thing is out of order so kaftor v'ferach the gemara explains beautifully that the order of the mishnah is specifically built in a hyper-structured set of concentric rings the husband's immediate family shimon and then tamar his wife's immediate family back to the husband's siblings and then so forth and so on very very scheduled and calculated out we're going to stop right here tomorrow night is thursday we're going to learn a blot and a half hashem should bless us all and we're going to get to the bottom of dafdala and wishing you all a beautiful night